Back here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. We'll start with the not-so-fun news, and then we'll go into the more exciting stuff, which is the basketball game tomorrow in Charlottesville, and and depends on your definition of exciting, of course, uh, if this, in fact, is going to be another one of those 49-47 thrillers depending, again, on how you look at that, that I got to witness last week when Wake Forest visited Virginia. We'll do that momentarily, but to start things off here with Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated, who is back with us once again in the fast lane. First of all, Andrew, we're always excited when we can connect, so always look forward to whenever North Carolina will be playing Virginia or Virginia Tech because it is a very convenient excuse for us to catch up and say hi outside of either the ACC basketball tip-off or the ACC football kickoff. It's always a highlight of my week, man. Whenever you text me and say, hey, I want you to come on, I'm like, this is fantastic. This is why I stay in the business, to talk to Ed Lane twice a year at the, at the kickoff and tip-off and a couple of times on the radio. Doesn't get any better than this, Ed. Hey, it's fun. We enjoy it, Andrew. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's the highlight, uh, I'm sure your lovely daughter and, and your wife actually bring you more joy than talking to me. Uh, but we will take all can the comments imagine, we can get. Can you imagine what somebody listening is thinking if that's really my highlight? <laughs> what do you think I'm thinking? <laughs> oh, poor Trey. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Andrew does not know. Andrew does not it's know. It's like, switch places with me for a couple of days. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. I hope, you, I hope you're well, my friend. I hope you're well, my friend. Yeah, things are good. Things are good. And looking forward to seeing you up in uh, Charlottesville tomorrow. Good Lord willing, everything goes smoothly with travels and uh, you know everything goes well over the next 24-ish hours, uh, at which point we'll be getting close, perhaps, to the end of the game in Charlottesville. Uh, more on that momentarily, though. Uh, you know, it's a development from late last week that's popped up in the Lynchburg area. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be a ton of news about this that's come out, but the situation involving Zach Rice and being involved in a a, a driving incident that popped up and another car ended up crashing and one was injured and the other passed away. I don't know a ton about this situation other than what you know I've gathered getting it. It doesn't seem like it's clearly doesn't seem like it's a good look for the former Liberty Christian Academy star who is now down in Chapel Hill uh, playing football. What do you know about what has transpired with regard to Zach Rice and some of the other Carolina players with this over the last week and change? What I know is what's been reported, and I know that there possibly might still be more to report. The investigation has not concluded. Uh, there are multiple um, there are multiple investigations going on. One of them has to do with the underage alcohol in the bar that they were at, which two bartenders were actually charged by serving minors, or not minors, I guess underage, 20, 21, you're not... 20, you're not a minor, but you're underage. And um, so I know that, that there are still things that may come out. Now, from my vantage point, running Tar Heel Illustrated and the Rivals Network, we put something on our board. We haven't run a front page story yet because as it stands, it's just under uh, underage alcohol possession and a couple of things along those lines. And I figured I don't want to go full throttle on the front page just yet, or if that's all that it is. So there's acknowledgement on our board. We're putting reports from local news up there. But to me, until it becomes a serious football issue, we're kind of leaving it at that. When would it be a serious football issue? If ultimately it means that players are suspended or they they are uh, removed from the program, and that would probably happen if they're more serious charges levied. So as of right now, 
they're looking into it. The most recent report was the car that crashed was going 124 miles an hour. Whew. And the and the other car that was in that was part of whatever was going on was being driven by Zach Rice. And based on the the investigation so far, police have said that the trailing car was 15 yards behind. That's the car that Zach was driving. So I think what they're trying to determine is if there's any culpability there. If there was, they said that racing could have been an issue. So they have to look into that. And until they make a determination, uh, I'm just going to kind of leave it as it is, because right now, until Carolina says something about, they haven't even made a comment, I, I, it's not a story for us just yet. Now, I think it will be at some point. Mac is going to have to address it at some point. We have him in two weeks because spring football starts, and we get him a day before spring football. So he's going to be asked about it. So I'm sure he'll address it then if he doesn't do something before them. But I think a lot of that just depends on if there are more charges levied. Andrew Jones, Tar Heel Illustrated, with us in the fast lane. Uh, you know, one more on this, and we'll pivot to the uh, Carolina Virginia basketball game in just a moment. But uh, you mentioned with regards to the situation of Zach Rice, who's you know been implicated in a, a high speed driving situation where another car uh, crashed and a passenger was injured and another passed away. Um, but with regards to this, how much of the fact that not much has come out regarding this, at least publicly and on the record, and particularly from law enforcement, is tied to, well, first of all, law enforcement operates on their own, but second of all, we're not in football season, and we're not really close to football season, so the urgency level from a football standpoint is not nearly as great as it would be if the coaching staff has to deal with this and the distractions that come about this in, I'll just throw it out there, early November. Well, you're 100% right. So it's good. That's why I mentioned Matt presser the day before spring football starts they they have spring football practice on march 19th that's the first day so we talked to mac on the 18th which is the day after the ncaa bids go out so that's that, great timing on their part huh so so <laughs> i guess for them they don't have to say anything because it doesn't affect football but but the first practice is open to the media i'll be there at 7:45 that morning and we'll be able to look out to see if Zach Rice, Travis Shaw, and Malachi Hamrick are practicing. So it, they can keep it on the back burner for only so long. It becomes a football story if they're not out there. And they would have to answer to something other than – they could give us, well, upper body or lower body or something like that, but that, that's not going to fly over very well. They're pretty transparent at UNC, although they haven't had to deal with the problem like this since Mac returned. And – Usually when legal matters are involved and something as serious as this with a, with a UNC student, unfortunately, losing her life, then transparency probably could take a little bit of a backseat because of other things that are at play. You don't want to say too much because of if Mac or Jeremy Sharp, the media relations director for the football program, were to make a comment now and it maybe be inaccurate, or too presumptuous, that could come back to haunt them down the road. So I understand. We had some football stuff the other day, and the official comment from the program would be no comment. So until they do talk or until there's another charge levied, I don't think it's anything that we're pushing forward right now. 
Andrew Jones, Tar Heel Illustrated. They will have more on the developments with Zach Rice at North Carolina and how all that transpires as more information becomes available. Andrew, because there's a lot of murkiness around there and it's really, uh, there's a, quite a bit of speculation or stuff that's not been much more officially confirmed, court report or otherwise, we'll pivot away from the Zach Rice situation in North Carolina and back to the action that is taking place, particularly on the hardwood on Saturday. It's fascinating. Everybody is is transfixed up here about Virginia, and they had made so much progress, and then they go to get Virginia Tech and get destroyed, and they don't look engaged defensively, and their offense goes MIA once again. Do you expect that to be an omen for what's to come, given how challenging Carolina can be? Or is this one of those deals where just when you're sleeping on Virginia, it seems like the spot where Tony Bennett could rally the troops? Well, hasn't that always been the case with him? Yes. That, that, that's, and, and it was this year because in November and December, they looked like they weren't even an NIT team. They looked horrible at times. And he got it going, and they got it going defensively, and they were finding ways to get Beekman good looks and get McNeely good looks. And, and, what, and, and then when he made the move to, Ryan, to, to a minor, uh, the big kid from Merrimack, that kind of gave them a little bit more energy and, and a little bit more physicality because they, they, they rely on that physicality in the paint and hadn't always been there this year, wasn't always there last year. So I, I think they were starting to kind of look like Virginia. And then they lose it home to Pitt. They got the Wake Forest game where, by the way, holding Wake Forest to 47 points is damn good. That's a fantastic offensive team. And then what I saw Monday night, you said uh, disengaged. That's the perfect way to describe it. I've never seen a Tony Bennett team, and I actually covered one of his games when he was at Washington State against North Carolina in the Sweet 16 in 2008. I've never seen a Tony Bennett team disengaged defensively, but they looked uninterested the other night. So I don't know what that means. Usually during the course of a season, teams are going to have a couple of real cloakers, and they have a couple of games where they're off the charts, and then who they are is in between. So I would think in North Carolina would certainly be wise to think that the team that was in Blacksburg Monday will bear no resemblance of the team that they see at JPJ tomorrow. And I think that Virginia, with, with Tony having the kind of culture that he has in that program, that those kids are going to be ready to go and they're going to play well. And I think North Carolina will play well, too. I actually think this game has a chance to be one of the higher-scoring UVA-Carolina games that we've seen in JPJ in some time. And, of course, North Carolina's lost eight straight there. Haven't, they haven't won at JPJ since Hubert Davis was working for ESPN. So there's a lot of storylines going into this one, but I think both teams are going to play well. I really do. And I, I think that Carolina, if they, don't, if they don't always know where McNeely is, he's the guy, in my mind, I keep thinking about, he can have a huge game. And he needs to because he hasn't been that on lately. So he, that would give them a huge boost and free up some driving stuff for Beekman. It will be fascinating to, to really get into that in the flow of the game as it relates yeah. to tomorrow just because, you know, it, correct me if I'm wrong, and then we're talking with Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated on W226BG Timberlake, WVGM AM Lynchburg, WMNA Gretna Danville Southside, and all across the Virginia Talk Radio Network. But for, for Virginia... The offense 
it's there at times. It's not there at times. But correct me if I'm wrong, the difference between teams that one of the differences is, is you can play defense. But the other is deep in the march, offensive consistency is something you at least need to have in Virginia. I mean, one night they can score 39. The next night they are capable of getting into the 60s. And you just have no idea which one it's going to be. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. The reason I think that this is the North Carolina team that ends that streak is because this is the best defensive team that Carolina's had in some time. So they do defend the three well. Uh, they defend drives well. They defend the post well. Armando's has become an outstanding defensive player. And this Carolina team is built offensively, I think, in a way that can take advantage. Well, I wouldn't say take advantage, but handle that pack line defense better. I'm, I'm actually on my way to Charlottesville right now, and we met with Hubert and Armando earlier, and I asked them both about the ball doesn't stick with Armando when it goes in the post anymore. And you know with the pack line, they want to double the post. So Armando being able to get rid of the ball quickly and also find shooters. He's had three games this year with five assists. That that actually tells me this team is built to beat that defense more than some of the past Carolina teams. Even the, the national title team in 2017, they scored 43 points there. I think this team, with the shooters they have on the perimeter, with Armando being so much better in dealing with double teams, that this is a club that should be able to go in there and score enough points. The question is, are they able to keep Beekman from going off, McNeely from going off, Jake Groves from I think that Groves with his length, can shoot over who will be defending him. Carolina often, being a smaller Carolina team, they're often dealing with situations where they're guarding guys a few inches taller, especially in the backcourt. So that could be something that, that UVA could take advantage of, and I think that's the question mark for, UVA, or for UNC. If the Tar Heels defend the perimeter well, and UVA doesn't hit a high percentage of threes, then I think, it's, I think the streak comes to an end. Andrew, a couple more topics on which to touch. These are bigger picture for North Carolina, but could certainly play a role in how they end this streak they've had, losing uh, very often recently up in, in Charlottesville at John Paul Jones Arena. One of which is oh, Armando Baycott. I, I, I could be off, but I thought the most telling sign for this Carolina team was when they lost to Clemson and Baycott. It wasn't the coaches. It was Baycott who basically criticized how they handled the win against Duke and then the aftermath of that from missing practices and showing up late and getting kicked out and being open about that player-led leadership and ownership. How much has that been a staple of this team and a reason why they've been better defensively and they're a threat to make a deep run in March? Yeah, it is. They're they're just a very mature team. Armando came back. Obviously, he's doing well with NIL, and some people say that that's more than he would make at the next level. We'll find out next year if that's so. But he is absolutely determined to hang a banner, and that is the mission of this club. And the kids that came in from other programs, they brought quite a few in. They embraced that pretty pretty early. This club had good chemistry in the summer, and now – when we've, that we've seen it tested on the court, they still have good chemistry. I think what happened there was they got fat and happy fast when they beat Duke and the manner that they beat Duke. And there were a lot of guys on this roster, that even though they were in North Carolina jersey, they hadn't really done anything before in college for, in that standpoint, from that standpoint. So Harrison Ingram 
at Stanford. They didn't have any games like that. Cormac Ryan had a nice run two years ago at Notre Dame. That was it. Uh, Jalen Withers coming in from the worst period in Louisville's history. And then the, the kids at Carolina, the new ones that came in there, they hadn't really done much before. Armando and RJ, RJ Davis, the only ones that are on scholarship from the team that played in the title game two years ago. So no one else had really tasted a significant level of success, and they didn't handle it well. And I also think they were a tired team. That was part of it, too. So Armando called them out, and they, they're coming off an open date right now. And I, I, I think that they'll handle stuff like that better moving forward. It's a smart group. It's a mature group. It's an experienced group. And they learned a very valuable lesson. And for them, it's good that they learned it in early February instead of learning it in mid to late March. Andrew, last one for you. You mentioned learning the lesson in February and not late March. As this North Carolina team to bottom out with their bad defensive performances and a trip to Charlottesville could be another catalyst to what Carolina could do, which is still be playing in late March or even early April. Yeah, I think this is the beginning of the stretch run of the season. Obviously, there's five more games for UNC than it's the postseason, but the, the players talked about how tired they were. They had a ton of travel. When, when, they, when they woke up last Saturday morning before the Virginia Tech game, they had played six home games in 75 days. Then they'd been all over the place. They played a ton of, of true road games and neutral site games against really good teams. And so I think the tired factor, the, the kind of exhale and have your brain just take a break. They worked hard in practice this week. Their bodies did, but they didn't have to prepare for another opponent. And good for them because it takes a lot to prepare for UVA, especially given the streak and the psychology factor that UVA has Carolina's number. It's not just up there. I think UVA's won nine of the last 12 between the two schools. So it's not a whole lot of success when North Carolina plays Virginia lately. So I do think that this is sort of the beginning of the stretch run. They know what's at stake. Armando said today they want to hang three banners, regular season, ACC tournament, and and national championship. I I think that they could be a national championship-type team if they go back to defending the way they did in January. If they defend the way they have in the last six games, they won't win the national championship, probably won't even get the Phoenix. If they defend the way they did in January, which I think is the mission in Charlottesville, I think their defense and rebounding is more their focus than offense going into this game. If they get their mojo back on the defensive side of the ball, I think that they're a very, very dangerous team. And and I believe that that is what the focus will be. I think that for me covering the team, I'm going to watch them defensively if they're doing the right things. Virginia's not going to score a ton of points. I'm not going to gauge them on points allowed. It's more the efficiency. And UVA will make you work, man. They'll make you work 25, 28 seconds on defense. So it's actually a great opponent to see if Carolina is as dialed in as they were defensively in January. If they're not, they'll lose that game. If they are, they'll win that game. Andrew, with the telltale signs of what to expect starting at 4 o'clock tomorrow in Charlottesville, Carolina at Virginia. Andrew, a pleasure to speak with you. Wishing you smoothness and safety and travels and an opportunity to chat again soon. Absolutely. Will you be there? I am. That's the plan. Oh, looking forward to seeing you, my friend. Likewise, Andrew Jones, Tar Heel Illustrated with us here in the Fast Lane. So he's optimistic on Carolina getting a win in Charlottesville tomorrow. Trey and I will give our thoughts right now in our votes of confidence. 
Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. So tomorrow in Charlottesville at 4 p.m. is when it begins. Carolina, it started off as a four-point favorite. A lot of action has hit Virginia all the way down. The Carolina Tar Heels are now a two-and-a-half-point favorite tomorrow in Charlottesville, over-under of 129-and-a-half, Trey. Carolina in the under. I'm with you on both of those. I actually understand the line move. It's the bottoming out principle, but here's my thing. This game goes under because I just don't see Virginia scoring very much, and it's hard to rely on them and trust them. And so if Virginia wins this game, it's going to be low scoring, and it's also possible Virginia may get blown out because they don't score much, at which point this could still be a lower scoring game under the 129.5 point total. Tomorrow, 5 o'clock airtime, CBS Sports Radio, Lynchburg App, more points are expected in Pittsburgh when the Hokies head up to take on Pitt. Three-point favorite are the Panthers, 144.5. Trey, I mean, the city of Pittsburgh is not kind of Virginia Tech. Three, uh, I get it. You know, Virginia Tech played better recently and Pitt got killed by Wake, but this seems like a buy-low spot on the Panthers and the over-under of 144.5. Um, I'll go over if only because I think Pitt is capable of making this an up-and-down game. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Over in Pitt and Pitt, I think Pitt will want this more, trying desperately to get to the NCAA tournament. They maybe have more of a path than Virginia Tech. 2 o'clock tomorrow, the other game in the ACC of a note. Duke is at Wake Forest. Blue Devils opened up as a one and a half point favorite. Boy, that's changed. Wake is now a two and a half point favorite. 151 and a half is the total. Give me Wake here. I think they need the Q- Q1 win and... Uh, they, I think they'll get it done. When you get these higher point total games, like 151 and a half, or heaven forbid, the uh, Alabama, the Kentucky, Alabama, Kentucky game, which is like 179 and a half, it's almost like you're paying a premium. Shout out to our guy, Paul Stone, by the way, for dropping this little nugget. But it, when you get that high of a total, the books are almost making you pay a premium to go over. So there's value going under. I'll take under. I, I'm with you on Wake. Dukes played well, but. A lot of those wins have not been against great teams. I think people are overreacting to Duke going on the road earlier this week and winning at Miami. It's the second of two straight road games. That's a challenge in and of itself. The Demon Duke wants this game. Wake needs this game badly to boost their tournament resume. I think the Deeks get it, and I think it's relatively comfortable for them. ACC women's basketball on Sunday, Trey. Senior day. Is there any way the Hokies lose this game? Of course there is. We've seen Virginia Tech lose in disappointing fashion in the most inopportune moment. But they take on a North Carolina team with a lot of motivation. There is no line out yet for this, and there's no Ken Palm just yet. But for the game that starts at 2 o'clock on Sunday, I-, I like Virginia Tech to win this game. And I think it's somewhat comfortable because of the motivation of, you know, Let's be honest, shutting up Courtney Banghart, the North Carolina coach that a lot of Virginia Tech fans and others seem to not be fond of. Yeah, give me the Hokies. Um, They get it done. I mean, you're honoring three iconic players. You know, you want to throw Kayla King into, you know, George A. Moore, Liz Kitley, Kayla King, those three core players of this run um, on senior day. So, yeah, give me the Hokies. I'll take Louisville, by the way, to beat the Virginia Lady Cavaliers in a noon game on Sunday, in, in large part because Virginia is now at the point where they, they showed it last night by beating Miami. They can beat and will often beat other teams that are good and, and sometimes very good in the ACC, especially when those teams don't have their A game. 
but it also means other teams focus on them. The Wahoos now have to go on the road to Louisville in, in a spot where the Cardinals, of course, just lost their most recent home game to Virginia Tech earlier this weekend. Trey, NASCAR in Atlanta, kind of a mini version of Daytona and Talladega. Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup Series, thoughts on those races? Truck, I will take any, I'll take one of the Spire trucks, so that includes Kyle Busch. I won't know which one yet off the top of my head, you know, I'm going with probably just pick Kyle Busch to be safe. Um, yeah, I'll take both Austin Hill and Jesse Love and maybe Parker Kligerman as a third. Just those three, Parker's basically in an RCR car and those two are obviously in the RCR cars. Cup race, uh, I might do the same best bet I had because I felt really good about it for the 500 and just bet a Toyota to win. Plus and, 230 for Toyotas to win. Yeah, so I might. that's what I might do. Because they seem to have the best speed racing, and it's just luck didn't fall their way in the 500, and I think it might happen here. Trey, I'll take Toyota in the Cup in the Xfinity. The guys I have my eye on in the Cup uh, is Eric Jones at about 25-1. to 1. You can find him better in some spots, worse in others. Shop around if that's your thing. Uh, Chris Busher's another one of interesting note because that whole Ford program with Busher and Keselowski and then, of course, the Penske cars all do well on this track and again bushers at 25 to 1 some spots it's lower some spots it's higher so if you want to get down just be willing to look around at different books within reason um the other ones though i kind of lean toyota in the xfinity series but not the trucks i don't think there's the volume of a toyota presence in truck series racing the way there is in the xfinity series and you need to have enough of a volume for drivers to be able to work together without it, that becomes a real challenge. Hopefully things haven't been challenging for Trey to stick around a little bit longer because we've gone long today in the fast lane. If you missed anything, fast lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. If you miss us, also fast lane, Ed Lane and Trey Law VT on your social media platforms for all of our game coverage over the weekend. Trey in Blacksburg for Senior Day for the Lady Hokies, me in Charlottesville for Carolina UVA tomorrow. And we're back Monday, 5 to 6 p.m., CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.